0: Welcome back, everybody. Your creativity. Happy Thanksgiving. We're recording on Thanksgiving morning at 9 a.m. I'm, I'm missing one of my favorite pastimes, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, but I'm going to watch it on the, the rebroadcast. But well, we've got a special guest today, comedian, author, and co-founder of Nowhere Comedy Club, Steve Hofstetter. How are you? I'm doing all right.
1: I didn't know you wanted to go see the parade. Go watch the parade.
0: No, that's... It's a different year. Shake things up, so I'll catch it. I'll catch it later <laughs> sure. in the dog show. All that, yeah. It'll be. It'll be fun.
1: Fair enough. I didn't even think about that. About like how weird it must be to do the parade.
0: Although you know it's cold in New York, so they would be covering their faces anyway. I think a lot of the like the Broadway stuff they pre-recorded, so they just have the the yeah. fl- the big balloons go like for a block, just for the yeah audience. It's
1: so still, that's still- idea of like you know because people line up for that and so i would i would hate if it would be encouraging even outdoors they'll you know line up and jam pack in so hopefully uh hopefully they
0: didn't yeah they're being pretty strict about it for one night i heard on the today show this morning um but um i wanted to talk about how we connected you put out a tweet saying that you'd be dri- driving a lot this week and people ca- call you and do podcasts and things like that what, what was the thinking behind that
1: well i always get asked to do podcasts that i don't have time to do and you know with with a limited schedule you kind of have to pick and choose and you have to say no to a lot of things and i realized that this week i'm going to be in the car for many many hours i'm driving i'm in the process of driving from uh from florida to LA. Um, I was out on the East Coast, um, you know, mainly in New York, visiting some family before it got too cold, um, because I, you know, I'm doing everything outdoors, social distance, and so then I drove down to Florida to see my sister, and then I was, I'm on my way home now, and I realized, you know what, I got five days in the car, why not say yes to all the things I've been saying no to for the past couple of years?
0: Well, I I appreciate you saying yes to us. It was, it was a nice surprise, because I was figuring out who to scheduled for this week and it came together um, so uh, oh, well, I'm, uh, I'm...
1: oh sorry go ahead
0: so um, uh, we were originally scheduled for yesterday but you had a show so we had to reschedule to today and it was a No Nowhere yeah. Comedy Club uh, show um, tell people a little bit about Nowhere Comedy Club you know how you and uh, Ben Glebe uh, put it together and how's it going
1: So Nowhere Comedy came together, um, because, you know, Ben and I have both have a lot of experience over the years in,
0: uh, you know,
1: in, in alternative digital shows. Um, Ben had been streaming a lot of his comedy club performances on Facebook, um, and I had been producing, uh, virtual reality shows. And so when the pandemic hit and, you know, we lost our ability to tour and thus earn a living, um. You know, we started talking about, okay, well, how do we fix this? And, you know, the way we came up with to do that is with a recreation of a comedy club experience. And, look, we're not the first people to do Zoom shows, but we do them better than anybody else because we replicate as many experiences possible from the good side of live performance and try to eliminate the, the bad things. You know, we... We have trained staff that manage the room, you know, so the performer isn't looking at like, oh, who should I mute? Who should, you know, who's talking? Like we have people whose job it is to know, to understand the audio signals and be able to find the, you know, the person. We have, um, you know, we have it set up so that there is basically someone at the door, like there would be at a real performance. Um, we, you know, we have, we've done hundreds of shows. We haven't had one Zoom bomb the entire time, um, because we have security protocols, like you would at a real comedy club. And so, you know, things have been going really, really well. And we've had, you know, everyone from Mike Birbiglia, Jim Gaffigan, John Cleese, Nikki Blazer, Ida Rodriguez, Alonzo Bowden, Brad Williams, John Hamm was a guest on the Scar Brothers show. It's been a, a really incredible thing. And We've managed to replace over half a million dollars worth of work for comedians during this time, and we're pretty proud of it.
0: That's amazing. Uh, the John Cleese one like, really surprised me. How did that come together?
1: So um, I have been very close friends with uh, John's daughter Camilla for uh, many years. Um, Camilla is a stand-up comic, very, very funny. Um, she was a co-host on my podcast. We did the Edinburgh Fringe together for two weeks. That's where I met John, because he came to the last show to surprise everyone, which was so incredible. Um, and, you know, John, like every other touring act, is unable to tour right now. And so, you know, Camilla does a lot of, uh, uh, does a lot of the tours with him. And, you know, she knew about Nowhere through us. She's been on Nowhere shows. And so she said to him, like, "Hey, this is what you should do." And he tried before nowhere. He tried, you know, a live streaming show with this big production company, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and their overhead was ridiculous. So he wasn't even able to earn anything on it. And so with you know, nowhere we found we kind of streamline it, to make it easy, and we did. It was this kind of evening with John Cleese, where it was a, it was an intimate Q and A, and which was so cool because people got to make him laugh which was incredible um and it was it was a really cool thing and we're going
0: <laughs> Yeah he came to the to the next here in Salt Lake um last year and it was a really cool experience to see him in person and making people laugh in his his dry comedy so um speaking of Salt Lake you we've got Wise Guys Comedy Club here and um uh-huh. you've came a few times over the years uh what's been your experience at Wise Guys in the audiences and
1: Um I've always enjoyed myself in Salt Lake. I find that because so much of Utah entertainment is focused on like family friendly comedy, the people who want to see something else. And those are my fans. And so when I come in, it's to a crowd that is happy to see someone like me who's not the typical Utah performer. And, you know, I've always had nothing but wonderful experiences. Um, you know, in addition to Wise Guys, I also did, I think, uh, two years ago I did a show at a venue, I think it was called the Green Pig, and it was so much fun. Um, and I will say Salt Lake supports its stand-up. The fact that Wise Guys Open Mic has attendance is crazy to me so few comedy clubs have anybody but comedians and their friends that open mic but there's a real audience there and it's a big one and that's wonderful for uh you know for local development Uh,
0: i i went about a month or so i ran some stuff up there i do the posters and stuff for wise guys um i ran some posters up there on a wednesday and even in the covid limited capacity there was a lot of people there for Urban Mic. It's just amazing, and just want to give props to Keith for you know building this um, community here. Yeah. So, how, um, when did you get started in stand up? What what kind of brought you to the to the industry?
1: Well, um, it was eighteen years ago. Um, I had been doing improv for a, for a while in high school. And I was, you know, wanted to try stand up. something that, you know, was a bucket list thing. And I did it once and I liked it. Um and I was supposed to be a writer and it was really difficult for me to find a, a you know, a print journalism job because of you know, the shift in print journalism. And right. so I started doing I started doing stand up to pass the time and it turned out I was good at it. Um the way I describe it is it's like being thrown into the ocean and finding out you're a fish.
0: Oh, that's why it's been so hard to breathe. You mentioned improv. Um you 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 tend to get hecklers or um on your YouTube channel you spotlight hecklers? Um how does that how does well the improv, yeah, background great, but how how you know where am I going with this question? My apologies. Um
1: how how does how does, uh, how does improv relate to the ability to handle hecklers yes yes that's where i was
0: going with that thank you
1: <laughs> no <laughs> worries um it's it's a similar muscle it's the ability to trust that the thing that you're going to say is funny and it's the ability to you know it's the more stuff you do off the top of your head the better you will be off the top of your head Learning how to use that muscle is really important as a comic. And even, you know, forget about the heckler stuff, I do Q&As at the end of every show. Um, back in the day when I used to do full weeks of comedy clubs, I would, every Sunday show is ad-libbed. Um, it was just a way to keep me on my toes. And, you know, I think that the thing that I enjoyed about improv was making something out of nothing. And that's what I enjoy about, Ad lib on stage in general.
0: Okay, yeah, I just I just wondered about that. Um, coming up through the ranks, and by the way, yeah. there,
1: there's a there's a week, there's a weekly show that I do at Nowhere with Dan Muggleton, who's a fantastic Australian comic, and it is a ninety minute ad lib show. The entire thing from start to finish. We have segments, but it is you know a crowd work show. It's called uh, Ask Us Everything. And it's a combination of the crowd asks us questions, we tell stories, we ask the crowd questions, we do little game show elements of it, and it's a lot of fun. It's something we've been doing since April, and, you know, it's it's really kind of helped me keep my sanity in the pandemic and helped me flex that, you know, flex that muscle in the pandemic as well.
0: Awesome. And what day does, do you have that airing on there?
1: Uh... So it's it's uh it's live only, or you have to be oh. part of the Patreon to watch the old episodes. But it's uh it's at Nowhere Comedy, okay. so you you get tickets at Nowhere uh, nowheretime.com, like uh, like any other show. Okay.
0: <clears throat> awesome, great. Um, coming up through the ranks, who who inspired you? What kind of people did you you know look up to to kind of craft your style, or you, you just liked what they did.
1: Well, the comics that, you know, that I, I didn't uh, get to meet, um, but were huge influences, were Carlin, Hicks, uh, Hedberg, um, Seinfeld. Um, the, you know, and all of them are, you know, like, you know, Hicks and Carlin have similar schools,
0: but the others are
1: very different from each other. The thing they have in common is that their act is their truth, whatever that truth is. And that's something that's been really important to me. Um, as a comic, you can definitely hear a little bit of Hedberg inflection, especially in my earlier stuff. Um, and part of that is I was drawn to Hedberg because my brother and I used to have similar inflection when we joked around. Um, you can, you know, you can see me emulating Hicks in, you know, my anger and my wearing black and things like that earlier in my career. Um, and then, you know, people who are really pivotal. In terms of you know influencing me, mentoring me, etc. in my career, um, Pete Dominic was a big help early on. Um, always been a big fan of Ted Alexandre. Um You know, uh, Eddie Ift was kind of a comedy big brother, even though our styles are so different. Um, you know, he he certainly helped me out early on. Um, and you know, there are there are just countless people in in the industry that I look up to
0: and there's amazing new talents coming out all the time um that, that's why i love mm-hmm. the the tv shows that we have you know well last comic standing hasn't been on for a while but like america's Just got talent and um laughs and and stuff like that um, what have you had any experiences um being on any types of um uh, shows with that or interacting with well uh, i mean i uh, well, yeah. <laughs> you know,
1: I host. I host the okay. executive produce lab, but um, I you know I've been on uh I've been on the late late show. Um I've been on, and then I you know I've been on a bunch of random stuff from you know Sports Nation to E! True Hollywood story to you know that's kind of how it works with the comic. You you get these little gigs here and there, and they all they all add up. But the majority of success I've had has not been television and you know I've done a couple of movies but the majority of success I've had has been digital um and you know that's the kind of new world we're in right now and so when the pandemic threw everything to digital I was like oh well this is where I live so I'll be fine
0: yeah your your youtube channel is just chock full you got you are you're updating it constantly with videos from from shows and just, you know, uh, bits and stuff you come up with. Um, how is the, the YouTube community? Um, you know, you always hear about the comment section and, you know, influencers and, you know, how much, how much money you can bring in with it. What's been your experiences?
1: Well, I, I made a conscious decision a long time ago to make sure that my social media was a pleasant place to hang out. And so, I ban people regularly, because I want people to enjoy themselves. And even though I understand that, uh, you know, that, uh, I'm blanking on the word here, but that, I guess, uh, fighting in the comments almost is, is good for engagement levels, I don't like it, because it, it makes it, it makes it a terrible place to hang out. And so, if someone is racist, homophobic, sexist, or just a just a dick in general, then I take them out of that community because I want my community to be people I respect. And uh, you know, I'm happy that it's gotten to the point now where it's it's self-selecting because when when something goes viral and the assholes come into the comments. You know, ninety percent of my people are good people who get it, and they will shout them down. And you know, I've, I'm uh, I'm really proud of that.
0: That's awesome. Um, as as a writer and comedian, what type of situations are most creative uh, for you? Um, sitting down alone, or bouncing off jokes with other people, working with jokes with other people, what?
1: Um, I find that the best the best way for me has been to write out what I want to say first. And then once I get a general idea of it, then taking it to, you know, the comics that know me, know my voice that I trust and, you know, then have them help look at it from a different perspective.
0: Okay. Uh, we mentioned uh, Ben Gleam a little earlier um, you're a co-founder of uh, Nowhere Comedy, and um, he, I, I've had him on the podcast before. It was about uh, around the time he was uh, running for president. And from what I understand, you you were on his campaign and uh, helped him in uh, many ways. Ha- Tell us about that and what your experience was well, like. Well, I, I,
1: I tried to, you know, okay. I mean, it was, uh, so I was press secretary. And, you know, my, my job was to help, you know, craft a message to help, you know, get some, uh, publicity attention. You know, again, my main, my main world is digital, so I focused on that. Um, and it was cool to be involved in something like that. And, you know, even though, you know, look, in the end, grassroots campaigns are very difficult to get started. And, you know, he probably, would have benefited from filing earlier because by the time he filed, I think a lot of media outlets had candidate fatigue and there were so many, but it was still an incredible thing to be part of. I still really just, you know, respect the courage it took to do that. And the amount of time he put into it was incredible and, you know, pretty cool that he was on a presidential ballot for real in New Hampshire and got votes and you know got close to the same amount of votes of some people who are considered mainstream candidates like Castro and and Gabbard and people like that I think he may have gotten more than Marion Williamson um so and he and at the time he wasn't even running anymore he was telling people actively to not vote for him and he still got some votes so kind of you know kind of cool that is kind of cool
0: um um Before we go into the bonus questions, I just wanted to to talk about your book, uh, uh, Ginger Kid, that came out a few years ago, and it was uh, your experiences uh, growing up. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the book and whatnot.
1: Sure. So so Ginger Kid is a, you know, they call it a tragic comic memoir. Uh, There are parts of it that are real sad. There are parts of it that are real funny. And... You know, it, it basically is my high school years. And it's not that high school is anything special for me. It's the, the point of the book is that it's relatable, not that it's different. Um, it's, you know, a, a story about finding yourself during bullying. Um, and, uh, you know, it's kind of the story of how I got bullied a lot and I found comedy as a way out. And the my favorite review of it was uh, one writer said, that the only thing they don't like about the book is that it wasn't around when they were in high school. And, you know, to me, I mean, that's that's why I wrote it. So I was really happy with that. And now I'm working on uh, I'm working on the sequel. I'm working on one uh, about the first six years as a stand-up, and it's called uh, Follow Your Dream Unless Your Dream is Stupid. Uh,
0: and do you have a timeline for that one? you might release it?
1: Well, uh, I'm hoping that it will be... Finished being written sometime before New Year's, um, which means I, you know, I better get on it. <laughs> um, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm thirteen. I'm thirteen chapters in. Well, I'm thirteen chapters in, and it's, uh, you know, it's probably going to end up around thirty to thirty-five chapters. So I'm already, you know, I'm already over a third of the way there, and you know, with uh, as things kind of calm down a little bit around the holidays. Uh you know, I think I'll have some time to pump out some chapters, so once it's done, you know then i'll uh take it to, to my agent and my editor and you know see if they wanna buy it and if not, I'll just release it myself.
0: Awesome. Well everybody look for that next year when it comes out we'll We'll share it on our social because you're you're part of the family now, so we'll we'll push your stuff Thank you for you um, good
1: to be around family and Thanksgiving. I appreciate that
0: oh. <laughs> Didn't even think of that when I said that, but yeah, for sure. Now it's bonus question time. Um, Okay. The podcast is your creativity, so we always ask our guests, what does creativity mean to you? Uh,
1: Creativity means creating something that hasn't been created before.
0: Okay. Uh, The next one is, who is your favorite Muppet and why?
1: uh my favorite muppet is beaker because he says so much with no words
0: i like that now I, my brother-in-law is what who who told me about the tweet that you put out and um he was talking to me about um, uh, sometime at your shows you do uh, uh mary fuck kill so i wanted to do a a muppet version of that um you know, well,
1: i hate but those are actually something I retired earlier this year.
0: Oh, okay. I
1: They started getting so repetitive that at a certain point... And also, I never want to be known for any one specific thing. And so sure. I hate to cut that off, but that's something, that's something that I just... I was getting them asked at every show. And after a certain point, I was like, okay, it's enough of those. So I appreciate it, <laughs> but I don't do those anymore. Okay,
0: fair enough. And then lastly... um, I guess in case a ginger kid ever becomes a movie or this later book in the movie of your life, who would you like to play you?
1: Someone who doesn't have red hair because I don't want the casting director to cast someone simply because they have red hair. No offense to Rupert Grant. He's awesome, but that doesn't mean it's automatic. Like just cause I'm a redhead, you can, you can have someone else play me and give them red hair. It's a movie. That's possible. Right. Uh, <laughs> so you know, I, I, I don't have a I don't have a particular oh this person should play me. But, you know, if it's gotta be a redhead, I guess Rupert Grit.
0: Okay. Yeah, I like that. Uh so where where can everybody check out your stuff, your website and uh, Nowhere Comedy Club, things like that.
1: Uh yeah, so if you want to see a live stand up show from the comfort of your own home, assuming your home is comfortable, uh you go to nowhere time.com. I have shows every week. Um But if you want to catch up with some videos or follow me just on social in general, I'm at Steve Hofstetter on just about everything. So whatever social you prefer, go find me there.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you, Steve, for taking time out of your your driving schedule. Um, Drive safe and um, get home safely. And and thanks for being on.
1: Well, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, happy Thanksgiving to everybody.
0: podcast is done man <laughs>